I have an appetizer this morning. It's an appetizer of faith. In Hebrews 11:27, it says, By faith Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing whom who was invisible. And, you know, when we think of what Moses endured, he endured a knowing that he was called by God to lead the Israelites out of bondage. And we know when he killed those two Egyptians that now it wasn't the timing of God and he had to flee for his life. But there was something deep inside of Moses that was a deep place of faith in a living, true God, a God who was all-powerful. But it says he endured as seeing who, him who is invisible. God is calling us to see him by faith. He's causing us to see him in a greater way than we've ever seen him before, beyond every circumstance, every thought, every feeling. This is a time of great faith. Even though it's a time of not seeing the things that we want to see and seeing great turmoil, great confusion, great unbelief, great anti-Christal workings going on the earth, it's a time for Christians to see he who is invisible. It's a time for us to endure as seeing him who is invisible. This is from uh, Oswald Chambers his utmost for his highest, he said this. He kind of asked this question. Is my knowledge of Jesus born of eternal internal superstition or perception? Or is it only what I have learned by listening to others? Have I something in my life that connects me with the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior? All that connects me with the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. All spiritual history must have a personal knowledge for its bedrock. To be born again means that I see Jesus. I see Jesus who is invisible. In John 3, 3, Jesus said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That that, um, invisible kingdom that we all begin to see once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Just as Moses endured as seeing him who was invisible, we are called today, we are called in our faith to see him who is invisible, to see Jesus who is invisible. Seeing the invisible God begins with what John, Jesus' disciple, said in John 1.12. As many as received him, Jesus, to them he gives the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, to those he gives the right to see Him who is invisible. Again, Jesus is calling us here at Hillside to see the invisible God and to know that we are going to have to endure against everything that contradicts our ability to walk by faith and to see the invisible God. Well, Dory gave you a message last week about the burning bush. I want to continue my message I started two weeks ago Are you prepared for a faith test? I was talking to Jack three weeks ago, and we were talking about things, and he was just going through a list of things he felt like were going on in the body of Christ that really needed the Holy Spirit. We really need to experience the Holy Spirit in so many different ways. And one thing he had mentioned was, are we ready and are we prepared for a faith test? And I felt like the Holy Spirit just resonated this in my spirit of something I was to talk about. You know, when you really think of it as a Christian, 
our whole life as a Christian is a call to believe. Everything that we go through as a Christian is an attack against our faith. And since you, maybe some of you realize after you go through a brief honeymoon period with Jesus when you're accepting him and you feel so loved and you feel like your prayers are being answered, it's not long after that where you begin to come and uh, there's someone who begins to oppose you. And it's the enemy. It's Satan coming to steal your faith. Coming at times as a believer that you're getting stronger and stronger to test you in your faith. Is your faith strong enough to keep enduring what God wants you to endure so that you can have a greater faith to overcome the enemy and really live out the gifts and calling of God in your life. What comes against our faith? Our sensual desires, our visual temptations, the pride and the distractions that come against our faith, the distractions in life, and even sometimes the priorities and necessary necessities and the crises of our life come to uh, assault our faith and our, our communion and commitment to Jesus Christ. You could say also that your whole life is a series of faith tests. Our key verse again this uh, week is the same as two weeks ago. It is 1 Peter 6, second part of that verse through verse 7. I don't know about you, but I remember being in school and going through different tests where our teacher would say, you need to read this because I'm going to test you, or tomorrow we're going to have a pop quiz and I'm going to test you on the things that I taught. The Word of God is what builds our faith and continually establishes uh, kind of a guideline of how we know we're hearing God and seeing who He is, and that is a development of our faith. It is the Word of God that's foundational in our faith to build us in this strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, the Word of God helps us identify where the demonic forces that try to mimic who Jesus is, the false deceiver, the deceiver who uses light to try to even deceive us, that the Word of God becomes that ability to recognize the false from what is really true. So in 1 Peter 6, starting with verse 6, the second part of the verse, through 7, Peter writes, Trials are valuable. Now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Can you think of different trials you've gone through and, and been grieved? Like, God, why am I going through this? After all, I believe in you. I gave my life to you. I've been serving you. But man, I'm really bugged right now. So, so Peter has that recognition. He recognizes that we are going to be grieved at times through the trials that we go through. But in those trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when the test is passed, there's going to be a deeper genuineness of your faith. And if you haven't felt this, there's going to be a time when you go through something so hard and you come out of it, you realize, wow, this was hard, but something has just been proven to me. Something has just come out in my faith life, in my spirit, that this was a good thing. And people would think you're crazy if you would tell them something good came out of one of the most horrendous things that you just went through. I can remember in 1995, probably one of my first biggest health tests and I always am trying to figure out what this meant because in 1995, I came on vacation and I came through Hollister to go to the Pinnacles. It was the first day of my vacation. And as I went into the caves and I bent down, my back went out. And I went through such incredible pain for a period of about three months. I went to doctors, I went to chiropractors. In fact, 
I was just starting vacation. I, I was scheduled to have a week vacation. I took two weeks, and I was flat on my back in our, in our living room. At times, even during that period of time where we had our advisory meetings for our, where we were, our elder meetings, they were in our house, and they all came to our house because I knew all I could do was be in the meeting, but I had to be flat on my back. And um, I was wondering, God, why that would I go through such a thing? And then someday you sent me down here to start a church. I always was wondering, but that was one of my biggest faith tests. And I was prayed for for healing. I did everything that my doctors told me to do, and I still was in incredible back pain. So there are things that come at us sometimes that we don't immediately have an answer why we're going through. But it's something that sometimes the enemy tries to use it to shake our faith or discourage us in our faith. But I tell you, God brings us through every faith test that we are going to go through. We are called to walk and live by faith. And things don't look like God is present when you're in a faith test. In fact, really our whole life and our feelings and emotions are always going to be contrary to our faith that is in Jesus Christ. And according to those words that were spoken today, that there's a grace of God, which is God's ability and presence in our life to help us keep believing and to help us to keep living no matter what our, our five senses are telling us. We started talking about Job, a man of character, and uh, he, he had an incredible test, and at that time, he had incredible character. He was blameless and upright, fearing God and avoiding evil, according to Job 1. He was a spiritual leader of his home, and we were encouraged, those of us who are over our house, whether you're a mom, a single mom, a mom and dad, that you have a responsibility to be that spiritual person that is over your home because generations are going to come and go, death is going to come, and what you leave your kids in a legacy of knowing God is going to be the greatest thing you can do for them because you're going to send them to heaven if they know Jesus Christ. He offered sacrifices in case his children might have done wrong. He prayed over them. He took that spiritual place of prayer, providing that prayer protection over his kids, not knowing what they might get into. God controls Satan. It's interesting that we learn in Job 1.8 that God has control over Satan. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on the earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. You know, it is God that, give, that gave Job faith to overcome. It was somehow in Job's relationship with God and how it had been developed, even though it doesn't, it's not really laid out for us, but God had done something so deep in Job that he believed in him and he could endure such a faith test. It's a contest that is throughout the ages, good versus evil, God versus Satan. Satan, uh, one of the things he uses to separate us from God is temptation trying to get something in between us and our relationship with God to distract us, to take our time, our passions, our money, everything, but it's a diversion to keep us from developing our faith in the living God. I want to says, say this to all of us, because you might be afraid, what is God going to allow me to go through? God has his money on you. God is going to bet on you just like he bet on Job. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. That means Satan can't throw anything out of you other than that's in this natural realm. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, 
But even with the temptation, he will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That means the next time you're tempted, instead of just thinking, I'm going to give in to this like I always do, why don't you look for the escape route that God says in his word is there for you. Another incredible thing to hang on to about temptations is 2 Peter 2.9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So the next time you feel like that thing that you uh, so often are given under, that you think, okay, it's got me, believe this verse. No, God is able to deliver me out of this temptation, and I never again have to come under its power and control. There is victory over Satan in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.15 says, Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Like Maya's word today, you may be in a prison cell and the enemy may be echoing the feelings of that prison cell, the chains that you have been uh, surrounded by and have kept you, but the chains are off because of what Jesus did for you and you can simply walk out of that cell. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14, the first part of the verse, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. That should encourage you today. If you're in a season, if you're in a test, or if you're in something that's been ongoing, it's going to come to an end. And you're going to experience victory and triumph over this situation, this circumstance that is currently going on in your life. Satan challenges God. Last week, we kind of, two weeks ago, we kind of ended about the hedge God had put over Job that, that uh, Satan could not penetrate unless God lifted that. And in uh, Job 1, 9 through 11, Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his whole household and everything that he has? Have you blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land? But now stretch out your hand and strike everything that he has, and he will curse you to your face. We explained that the curse, the hedge is that protective covering over everything that he had. And the way God was interacting with Job and with Satan shows us that God is in control of everything. And it may frustrate us sometimes when we, want, we wonder, why is God allowing things to happen in us? But we haven't seen the whole picture yet. We haven't seen the breakthroughs, the development of our faith, or what God's going to do after we go through those faith tests, or what seems to be evil that Satan is allowed to do to us. The Bible tells us that Satan has limited power over us, but Satan uses the fear of evil that we see to intimidate us from living out all of what God has for us. Fear is the opportunity for our faith. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And if you're in something right now, your testimony is being developed as you keep believing and pressing into God, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're coming against and what's resisting you. And sometimes when we're going through unbelief and faith tests, we feel the weakest we are in faith. We feel like God has left us, even as Satan is telling us through our own feelings, why don't you just quit following this God thing? The reality of the test. In Job 1, 13 through 19, Satan used the Sabaeans to kill the servants and steal the oxen and the donkeys. Fire of God fell, killing the sheep and servants. The Chaldeans stole the camels and killed the servants. A mighty wind destroyed the house Job's children were in, killing them. Satan the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus tells us. Satan, he is the one that tries to steal our faith, 
our faith in a God who is good, who does good and gives good things to us. God is loving and a blessing God. He's a good God. He's not a negative and bad God. He's not an evil God. He's not wishy-washy with us, even though Satan would tell us by what we're going through that this is all God and he has quit loving us. How many times has God whispered to us, you've done too many things wrong, he's done with you. Those are lies. God is faithful to us. He went to the cross while we were yet sin, and he will continue to work in our lives, our whole life, to see us grow in our faith. Satan wants you to doubt God's goodness in your faith test. Satan wants you to stop believing God. He wants you to stop doing your disciplines of praying and seeking and reading his word. He wants to use every kind of distraction he can because he knows your faith is the most important thing that you've been given. Because it's by faith you are going to overcome. It's by faith you are going to walk in and let the gifts that God has put in you begin to come out through your life. And so he is desperate to stop that. He wants you to stop praying. He, wants you to st- he doesn't even want you to be here today. Thank you for coming. It says that the faith that God gives us, as we allow him to develop it, God says our faith can move mountains. Where are we at in our faith? Are we at that place where we're seeing mountains just dispelled in our lives? In John 10, 10b, Jesus promised this, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Amplified Bible says, till life overflows. To have from Jesus means victory. To have from Jesus means overcoming. To have from Jesus means restoration. To have from Jesus means I'm going to get through this. To have from Jesus means my joy is going to be restored. To have from Jesus means I am not going to be down and discouraged. I'm going to come out of all the things. If you're dealing with stuff generationally that uh, Laura touched when she was giving our exhortation today, God is going to bring you out of what seems to have been passed on from generation to generation. And Satan would just see, it's not going to break off of you. Those are lies of the enemy. We are to contend for that faith that was delivered to us when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are in generations right now, and we're seeing the result of generations. There's a number of us who are different ages, and we've all come through different generations where the generational habits and patterns and um, dress, the way people dress, the way people talk have all changed. I grew up uh, in a generation of the 60s and 70s, which were uh, the Jesus which ended up being the Jesus movement, but it was a uh, a time of rebellion and sexual uh, experimentations and do whatever you want to do. But in those generations of that, the generation of Jesus Christ has continually been going on. I was hearing a message last week from my son's pastor, and he was talking about how at the turn of the century, there was a bellflower decoration where they decided we were going to let the Jews come back to Jerusalem and have their their own nation. And we saw that even in that time, that 1906 Azusa Street correlated with what happened in Israel getting there, becoming a nation, that the, G, that, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Azusa Street happened. In 1948, when uh, Israel became a nation, there was another outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which was the latter rain movement, which Ernest Gentile, my pastor who raised us up, was a partaker of, and he brought the revelation of the Holy Spirit to us, the the worship of lifting your hands and singing songs that we take for granted uh, back in the 70s when he started his church in San Jose or the late 60s uh, to raise your hands and, and do audible praise and worship was unheard of. But it was the restoration of what had happened in the latter rain movement. 
And then in the 1967 uh, war with Israel, there was then the begin the Jesus movement and the 1970s, the, the um, charismatic renewal that happened, that we are prepped in our generation, even though the generations keep changing, changing, there is a Jesus generation, there's a kingdom of God culture that doesn't change, that is going to usher in another revival. And we're going to see young people coming in and experiencing Jesus Christ like ever before, because God doesn't change it, even though the generations here change. But we're to be a generation of faith, that as our pastor that I was under spoke about the Holy Spirit, spoke about the Word of God, and encouraged people to believe in the book of Acts and the New Testament and how the, the church should be functioning. That's what we've been doing here for 20 years this week. It's going to be 20 years on, on the 22nd of this next week that we've been here, 20 years uh, in Hollister, and God's been doing uh, incredible things in people's life. So we believe that we're going to see God keep overcoming and doing incredible things. The righteous of Job is tested. In Job 1, 20-22, at this great loss, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell on the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Are we able to say that? We should use every negative thing to, as an opportunity to tune to the Lord in worship. Remember three weeks ago? Sing out, O barren one. Sing out, O barren one, that you can have a reason to sing. You can feel the most negative, and you begin to worship and sing to God. Why? Because the thing that's trying to take your joy, the thing that is not breaking loose, the thing that you've been robbed from, the thing that has desolated you, cannot be uh, the thing that puts a lid on your coffin. You're supposed to rise up and worship in the midst of what's going on. You're supposed to thank God, even though you don't see the promises of God happening, that you begin to sing out. You rise up from a different place. A lot of times we want to rise up from seeing things work out. We want to rise up for seeing good things happen. Oh yeah, I can worship God because good things happen. No, why not worship God like Job did when everything he had lost and he couldn't see any hope, he began to sing. He began to worship. Job's second test. What? What? Job's second test? What do you mean? Come on, God. Isn't loss of family and everything you have the loss of the servants except each one coming back to give a negative report? You mean that that's not enough? Brother, John 2, 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. See, Satan is on a short leash. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life, but stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. You know, sometimes faith tests tempt us to be angry or offended with God. Have you ever gone through something and got angry at God? It's natural. We don't understand God's ways. It says His ways are higher than our ways, and yet we find ourselves as believers going through things that want to shake our faith. In verse 6, the Lord said to Satan, Behold, Job is in your hand, but spare his life. So, his next test is an attack on his health. In Job 2, 8, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils. 
from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd, which was which with to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. Wow. You know, most of you know, it was, it's going to be three years here in, a, uh, in a, just a couple of weeks where I found out I had uh, major cancer in, a, in a, my left kidney. And I thought, wow, is this going to be another test? And I didn't know how this test was going to work out. In my mind, I thought, okay, I found out I had cancer. I'm probably going to be going through chemo. I'm going to be, God's going to maybe have me witnessing to people, whatever. I'm going to be dealing with this a long time. It was like I knew it for two weeks. The cancer was out, and I recovered in four weeks, and I was back, back to life. But in that time, I, I questioned, like, I'd always believed that God was a healer. I'd always believed that uh, he, he did miracles. I believed that by his stripes that were healed. But when he told me, uh, the MRI you got is going to show something else. And then I went to my doctor, and my doctor said, well, you have cancer. The, the MRI showed that you have something going on in your kidney. I thought, hmm, you did speak, but it wasn't what I thought you would say to me. I thought, you know, I'm automatically going to be healed. You're going to deal with it. No, I had to go through knowing. So don't get overwhelmed by the things that try to overwhelm you. God is with you. God is going to do something in what's trying and testing your faith to cause you to come out stronger than you've ever been. And you're going to turn back and thank God for that hard thing you went through because he knows he's building something. He's building a testimony. Maybe some of you felt like you haven't had a testimony yet. You're going to get one. It's going to come out of your faith. It's going to come out of what God's doing in your life. Job 2, 9 through 10. I think Job's wife, I don't think she understood who Job was. Then Job's wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. <clears throat> somehow I think, like Job's friends, somehow I think she believed that there was, must have been something in Job's life where he had done something to open up this door for Satan to have his way in him. But we know he didn't. Verse 10 says, But Job said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. I think that's a temptation we have sometimes when we're going through something. We want to get angry at God. Why? Because we've turned our life over to him. We've called on him. We believe he saved us by his grace, and now we're in this place. It's okay. We're human. God understands. I want to ask you this question right now. Are you in a faith test right now? Remember our key verse, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried by fire. Adam Clark had this to say about faith tests. Sometimes there is a kind of necessity that the followers of God should be afflicted. When they have no trials, they are apt to get careless. And when they have, sec and when they have sec secular prosperity they are likely to become worldly-minded. God said a good man can neither trust me with health nor money. Therefore, I am both poor and afflicted. But the disciples of Christ may be very happy in their souls, though grievously afflicted in their bodies and in their current estate. Paul the Apostle said this in 1 Thessalonians 3, 2-5. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and our co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one should be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. 
That's kind of affirming, huh? We're all destined for trials and tribulation. We're all destined for faith tests. So settle it. Gear up for it. Don't try to have a perfect little life. Thank God for everything you're going through. You're going to rise into a different place of joy and satisfaction and help, realizing that God is with you. And if you open your eyes, you're going to see like Moses saw. You're going to see him who is invisible. Verse 4 goes on. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Wouldn't you really like to go to be able to go 12 rounds with Satan? Huh? Come on. He's a defeated foe. We always hang back in fear, but we're called to arise in faith. And why not? If we're going to be tempted, why not be aggressive? Why not be able to be an overcomer? Why fear Satan when Satan, when Satan has been destroyed? Then God dealt with him at the cross. It says, remember, he destroyed principalities and powers and made a show of them openly that we have the ability to go around and, and slug it out with Satan because through Christ, we are going to be overcomers in our faith test. Faith test end. Job's test ended. Abraham's faith test ended. Joseph's faith test ended. And Jesus' faith test ended. Lord, help us recover from faith tests where they're incomplete. You know, sometimes we opt out of a faith test. How many of you going through school opted out or stayed home during the day there was a test or a final? You know, I think we've all taken shortcuts and said, no, I'm not going to go through that. Or God asked you to do something and no, I'm not going to do that right now. And you're kind of like, really inside in your heart, you kind of know, I just missed out something. Lord, help us to complete those faith tests. Lord, help us be restored from walking away from tests and not staying through to their completion. Lord, restore to us the end of our tests to receive the great reward at the end of the test.